you know, it's a hard job saving the galaxy, but somebody's got to do it. This is the Awesome Cast. And welcome back to the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome. I'm Basil. I'm Kevin. I'm Douglas. That's us. Or, and that's us. That's us, the Awesome Cast. Podcast about awesome things since, God, when did we, when did we do this, started doing this thing? Forever ago. It, it feels like it's, it's, it's a long, a long time. Thankfully, we, we have an index of awesome. I can, I can actually figure this out at an index of awesome which you may watch our or listen to our earlier shows which are awesome which you can find at awesome guess wow 2008 2008 2008 our first episode released march 8th 2008 yes though we're currently you know this will be the 28th episode in a row we've gotten we've gotten up nice been been keeping this up. Twenty eight weeks since Velociraptor attacks have ruined our podcast. Well, actually, double that. Because... Well, yeah, forty eight because it's every other week, right? And the rest, we just got to keep the Velociraptors at a manageable level in between. That's right. This is show number something. I actually, well, I do need to update is actually the index of awesome because it's it's only up to show one twenty two, which is the Great Muppet Caper. Hmm. So we're a few past that. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll edit that in, and I'll, I'll be edited before you actually listen to this. Of course, this one may not be on that, but whatever. <laughs> so, this is the Awesome Cast, your podcast for everything awesome, where we like things, things that we think are awesome, and we want to talk about it, so we do, into a microphone, and you get to listen, because we recorded it, into a microphone. As we were talking about and yammering on, you can find us at awesomecast.com, O-S-M-C-A-S-T dot com. You can check out the Index of Awesome, leave us comments, send us emails at awesomecast at gmail.com. Of course, all complaints may be sent to podcast at Chainsaw Buffet. Speaking of freaking Chainsaw Buffet, what the poop snacks. They were talking in the last episode that recorded, which they're late on, by the way, slam. Some guy named Lionel that someone did a fan panel for, and apparently it was the best panel ever that none of us ran. <laughs> Therefore, it cannot be the best panel ever. <laughs> we were not involved in any way. How can that be the best? Whatever, guys, you backstabbing harlots. <laughs> it's like you're from... You, you, you don't even deserve Norway. <laughs> you don't deserve to be from Norway. Leave Norway alone. Well, I'm saying that Norway's better than them. It's, it's, it's a better place. Yes. Norway is a fantastic place. Make them from Pallet Town. You jerks from Pallet Town, as decreed by the one and only Barry. <laughs> how do you feel about that? Because I don't know. I, I'm not sure how I feel about that. But that's what's been decreed. You can find us on social media, though. Awesomecast Twitter. Awesomecast Tumblr. Awesomecast Facebook. Awesomecast, oh, Awesomecast Stitcher. You can listen to us on Stitcher. You... Cannot find us on iTunes because Apple's lame and won't put us on iTunes. But 
you can find you can actually you know plug us into iTunes using our RSS feed that totally works. iTunes, you're worse than Chainsaw Buffet, and they're worse than Norway, which is all better than France, unless you're Kevin and France is the best. France can go to hell. So how do you feel about that? So anyways, there's the usual opening yammering bits. So I guess we should move on to our reoccurring bits that we bit about. Beep, 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 beep. Well, that's that's great if we had a bit bit music. How we, we would totally use it, but we we don't have really a bit music. We we use individual music pieces for the bits that we do. Like, for example, if we were to do a Dragon Quest minute, Dragon Quest Four on your on your smartphones. That's weird. It's Fifteen bucks. I bought it. It's weird. Because it's Dragon Quest, and it doesn't run like poop like Dragon Quest Eight does, I hear. It actually runs really well on the phone. It actually looks really good on the phone. Because it's using the DS engine, but my phone's resolution is 720p, which is way nicer and higher resolution than what you can get on the on the, uh, on the the DS. Mm. So there's that. But here, you should totally... I mean, you can check out screenshots and stuff, but it looks... It looks really good. Sounds really good. Like they definitely use something like let me listen to this. This is pretty great. It's gonna sound crap for everyone else who's listening to this because they're <laughs> listening to a speaker into a microphone than through their speaker, so it's probably sounds like junk. But it sounds really good coming out of this phone. Especially put on some headphones, it sounds very nice. But the graphics look very, very yeah. good. Like it looks like higher higher resolution than you think out of it, out of it. So, but it plays okay. It plays all right. It does use a virtual D pad, and that's kind of lame. But you can of course adjust the size of it, move it in a couple different locations. What is really weird about it is the fact that you have to uh, you have to hold it in a portrait. You can't just you can't uh can't turn it sideways. Can't turn it sideways. You can't do it in landscape. You gotta do a portrait. Huh. But it works out pretty well. And again, like I said, it looks looks awesome. Yeah. And it more or less is the DS. It's more or less the DS game. But they did add in translations for all the party chat we didn't have originally in the DS version. So that is kind of neat. The downside to that is that the translation is not filled with crazy accents like the regular the rest of the translation is. So, ups and downs, but you know what? I'll take it, and I'll probably keep playing it. And that's been your Dragon Quest Minute. I still don't think my Hyrule music was that far off. <laughs> but it it's a different video game series. <laughs> it's it? like if like you're, if you were if you were saying you're to use Zelda music for I don't know if we were to say our Final Fantasy a Rebel Born Minute. Which is really funny because Doug had a pretty decent rendition. Yeah. You know, just, just a minute ago for Dragon Quest, even yeah. though it's not Dragon Quest, it was Zelda. Yeah, it was yeah. Zelda. But we're now talking about Final Fantasy fourteen, A Realm of Born. <laughs> but what's important is that happy anniversary, everybody. Happy anniversary. It's been one year since the since Final Fantasy fourteen has stopped sucking. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh-huh. It is it is apparently one year in a realm of born, and they've got all sorts of crazy fun things that you get to do. Many things actually in the game. Yeah. Like right now we're we're currently experiencing the the moonlight the moon fire. You can say moonlight, but it's the moon fire fair where they've got like freaking fireworks going off in the skies and you could do events and you can dress up in new clothes. Yeah, it's it's pretty awesome. It's like totally a thing that exists that I've not really participated in much. Well, you should because you can get various yukata that look pretty cool. You can get fireworks that you can you know, fire off. You get a new dance, which they call a jig. And it's like, it's I don't know if I really call it a jig. It's not very, you don't really get jiggy with it. It's much more of a traditional like. Yeah, it's pretty much like a traditional Japanese festival dance. Where do you find the dance? Uh, you have to complete all. You have to complete all of the. You have to do all of the event quests at least once. Hmm. And once you do that, then you unlock the ability to go do the quest that does the bomb dance, which is just running to the restaurant in town and getting food and then coming back to the fairground. It's got a little of a storyline to it. I had trouble interacting with some of the festival events. Well, they do take a little bit of a little bit of effort, not a lot of effort, but a little bit of effort. And it's really more a matter of timing. Because they've got one event where you've got to knock bombs into cannons to fire off fireworks. I did that one time, and it took me... I just sat there hitting the bomb back and forth forever, and it never, it never, went, into the, it never went into the canister. And then I did it again. I did the quest again, and, then, and it went in first hit. Well, I think it has, you have to t- space it out right for that one. Yeah. Because if you sh- overshoot it, it'll just go past it. Yeah. You have to hit it so it'll actually land where it stops, where it would be where the cannon is. Yeah. That took me like, I got through it as on my uh, summoner character really fast. Mm-hmm. But it was with my melee character took forever. For weirdly. And then there's another one where you've got to tag enemies with cannons. And that one's the one that's really timey. Timing based. Um, and that one took a little bit of figuring out how to actually space your your cannon yeah. blast because your cannon blast doesn't happen immediately. So you have to space it out such that you you fire the cannon, and then once the cannon actually fires, that's when it hits the enemy. And that does require some amount of timing to figure out how that works. And there's a third one, all you do is ride the most awesome looking lizard mount ever. It's like super colorful and, and goofy looking. But it spits out water. I and, love the woobly woo. And you have to hose down the ladies. Right, so shoe puff. And once you do all that, then you go back and they're like, oh, hey, what up? Here, go put on this Yukata again and go talk to this person and talk to me. Oh, uh, well, that's a sad, but bitter, well, a bittersweet backstory. And here, have a bomb dance. Man, it is. The bomb dance is actually really easy to synchronize with other people who are playing the game. Mm-hmm. And so what you end up having is you have these large groups of people who have synchronized who have synchronized their dance with each other, and they're all out there just dancing. So what you need to do is to jump in the middle of it at Manderville. Because <laughs> <laughs> Manderville people do what Manderville... Manderville men do what Manderville men do best, which is be Manderville men. Yes. Which, one day, we'll actually talk about Manderville stuff, because it's some of the best stuff in the game, period. But somebody needs to hurry up and get to that point in the game. We're not uh, saying names, but it's Kevin. <laughs> There's not really many of It's like, who else could it be? No, uh, I'm playing at my own pace, yo. Or That's something. 
but fine. you're you're almost there. You're you're so close. We just have to run you through two dungeons. <laughs> They're not even that much of really dungeons. They're more just event pieces, and, and you get to ride on things and blow things up. It's it's pretty spectacular unless you get jerk groups, which is pretty often. Which is a thing that can happen in this game. But that said, there's also a Final Fantasy XI crossover event. Yes. Where there's a character, I guess, from Final Fantasy XI. I actually need to play that one. Yeah, I don't actually... I never played Final Fantasy XI, so I don't really know who this Shantoto person is. But apparently it's a big deal. I played Eleven back when it was first existed. Yeah. But I was playing by myself. And that was... That was a game entirely designed to play with people. Yes. Where if you have a group and your group's rolling, oh man, it would be awesome. But if you're tr- but unless you're in that group and you're rolling along in a group doing group stuff, it was terrible. And that's actually why I ended up moving to Eve and then eventually to World of Warcraft for a bit. But 14 doesn't have that issue, and so 14 is just great and amazing. And we play on Leviathan, so if you'd like to play on Leviathan, if you play the game, you should stop whatever you're doing in the game and come play on Leviathan. That is what should happen. And yeah, if you do, and if you do play along Leviathan, let us know. We'll hook you up. We got a we got a free company. We got a link shell. We can make stuff happen. We're making stuff happen right now, but only if you join. And this has been a Final Fantasy fourteen a Rebel Born minute. Which brings us to our third bit, the bit that you've all been waiting for. Possibly, I mean, I mean, they've been waiting for it. Whether they've realized they've been waiting for it or not is, you know, irrelevant. But everyone wants to hear Kevin go. It's a moment of awesome. When we announce to people, it's the moments of awesome. It's a moment of awesome. Moments of awesome. (laughs) The moment of awesome. Whatever it is, we talk about things that we like. Just not as fully in depth as the main topic of whatever podcast we we podcast about. And of course, if you want to know specifically what we're talking about, you're more than welcome to check out our show notes, our awesome notes to the time cues. We actually list everything out now with the various time blocks where you want to talk about things. So what you've been playing, Kevin, watching Kevin, interacting with in the world, in the world of Kevin, Kevin. Too many things. In fact, I've got too many games I'm trying to play at the same time right now. Pick one, maybe two. Mm, I'm going to pick a game. Eh, you know, I'll just talk about Akiva's Trip for a minute. Because I'm, I might pull Conception on this one and end up hating it next week. Ooh, Conception. <laughs> but uh, right now, I the biggest shock of that game is it's secretly not horrible. <laughs> um, as you... Like, the basic breakdown of the story is there's vampires in Akihabara in Japan. And technically, you're one of them, too. And vampires burst into flame in the sunlight, but only if most of their skin is exposed. So you end up pulling clothes off people and seeing if they explode. And, um, yeah, the big secret of the game is you spend far more time doing this to men than you would expect. (laughs) But uh, it's a charming little open-world sort of you're in Akihabara, but it's a sort of open-world, wandering, quest-based, uh, loosely built off the way of the samurai games, except in a modern setting. You can get various oddball things to use as weapons, various weird outfits you can piece together, 
and new fighting styles, which change up the ways in which you tear clothes off of people. And sometimes you get to keep the clothes. <laughs> but uh, it's sort of charming. And unlike Conception 2, I actually like most of the female characters. Which, uh, at least, you know, means I won't probably won't feel like a horrible asshole for using them to my own ends like I did in Conception 2. <laughs> now, the way the Samurai series tends to be, if my memory serves, is that they're all very short, but they have tons of various endings. And so the idea for that game is you play it over and over and over yeah. again. I'm not sure how is... long this game runs. I do know there's multiple endings, and some are hard to get. Okay. Um, and I, I, there's probably lots of little hidden things in it that I haven't figured out yet. But it's bizarrely charming, especially when you can, like, blow the top off someone Fist of the North Star style. <laughs> nice, nice. Or, you know, snatch off their pants in one deft action. <laughs> but it has a weird sense of humor, and it sort of works for it. And I... If general internet footing around information is correct, not a lot of people are playing it, and it maybe doesn't deserve that. Even though at first glance, it looks awful. Well, I'm excited to hear if it stays not awful or eventually turns into awful. Yeah, because I might come back in a week and say, man, this game sucks. But, you know, right now I like it. I mean, okay. you know, there's some other stuff, like Tales of Zillia 2, which is good. And there's that... Sort of online game for Vita, which is so incomprehensible, I'm not sure if it's good or bad. <laughs> How long did it take for you to figure out what the actual game is trying to do? Oh, yeah. The, the, okay. The Sword Art Online Hollow Fragment, I think, is the subtitle. It's. I played. I think I played for a good solid hour before the game started making any sense. And up to that point, it actively punished you for being familiar with the anime and book by being incomprehensible, especially if you had played the game or read or watched the anime or read the book because it just it goes off on its own alternate story thread and it doesn't tell you that's what it's doing at first technically it's an updated re-release of a psp game with a bunch of extra content thrown in but it starts you in that extra content and then it asks you if it if you it wants to explain how you got there a little later <laughs> okay yeah and then you can hop back and forth between the original game and the extra content. But, yeah. It at least replicates the looks of the menus from the anime, 100% faithfully. Right down to the grayed out logout button. <laughs> I don't know if that's good or bad. I really don't. I, I've been playing it for a couple days, and I really don't know if it's good or bad. Well, a ring endorsement about Sword of Online. Now you can live out your misogynist power fantasy. <laughs> so anything awesome in the world of Doug? There is, but my head hurts, so I can't think of it right now. That's cool. I've got a few things we can talk about. First off, it's Kickstarter Watch. Because there's actually, there is the, the last Kickstarter we talked about last time. Uh, uh, Elysian, not Elysian, but Elysian Shadows. It is that awesome 2D RPG from Dreamcast Kid. Nice. Or Falco, as his actual name is. But they've, as of recording, they have nine days left to go, which we think by the time this goes up, there'll still be like seven to five days left to go. But they're up to 126, 100,026 and 125 dollars. And they were looking for um, 150,000 dollars. So they're almost there. They've almost hit it. 
But what is still going on, and then they hopefully they'll get to it, is, a, is this other Kickstarter called Under the Dog. Oh yeah, which apparently was one of the big. It's by a group called Creative Intelligence Arts, which is a group of several different anime creators who have been who have worked on various things, like some people who worked on like production IG stuff. Like the the, the director, he worked on. He's worked on. He, uh, I think he also. Oh, I think he's sort of the stranger guy. Yeah, yeah. There's some interesting, some interesting staff. I had looked at that Kickstarter page. There's some interesting staff on that project. A lot of them haven't aren't people who really had a chance to stand out, but they've worked on interesting things. And it is sort of this cyberpunk tale, and it looks really, really neat. And from based off what I can tell online, it looks like. Yeah, this guy usually is is done a lot of stuff with bones and whatnot. He did a lot of work on Full Metal. He um, he was a director of the um, Tempest thing anime. Oh yeah, thing. doing No Tempest, which I actually like, despite yeah, yeah. other not, people not caring for it. But I, I, I like it. Yeah, pretty well. I liked it too pretty well actually. Well, I absolutely adore Sword of the Stranger. Yeah, I, Sword I, of the Stranger is great. I <laughs> I absolutely totally adored that movie. I really like that with no Tempest style, also. So that was, you know, that's that's a good. What are, how are they doing on their Kickstarter? They are almost halfway there. Yeah, and they've got 16 days left to go. But they're actually, you know, they're asking for uh, five hundred and eighty thousand dollars, and they're almost at uh, two twenty-five thousand. But the the other big thing about this is, is apparently they've got other backers, like like actual industry mm-hmm. backing. Where they're 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 dollar matching with for the Kickstarter, and it's like a times ten. So every dollar you're putting in is actually going to go, there's going to be another ten dollars put to your dollar. So because anime is expensive and it, it takes is. a lot of work to and money to make, even if they are just two guys with a really old Amiga doing all the CG. But no, no, there's there's multiple people working on this on old Amigas doing the CG. <laughs> Look, there's. They got the character designer of Fire Emblem Awakening up on this. Oh, I shouldn't I should sound like I'm insulting the guys who do awesome CG on really old Amigas because they're out there in Japan and they do it. <laughs> they, they, it looks it looks really neat. I am I'm all about some new fancy awesome looking cyberpunk. Uh, I would definitely go check out the Kickstarter, look at their trailer. If that seems like something you would want to back, please. Do back it. Throw some money at that. It's let's, probably let's, good. Let's get some anime made because yeah. anime needs to get made, and it looks like it's an actual, you know, project of love, but yeah. not kids trying to love kids, which is bad. Which does in no way really goes to my actual moment of awesome, which is great teacher Onizuka. <laughs> Is this the yes. live action? Great well, yes, yes, again? the new live, okay. the, the the sort of new live action. In mm-hmm. 2012, they started a brand new live action version of Great Teacher Onizuka, mm-hmm. which actually made use of a lot of storylines from the uh, new, the latest iteration of the manga, which was the uh, 14 Days in Shonen, which was actually being released by a Vertical. Um, and in 2012. It was actually was brought to my attention by um, Jess from Momocon, where she's like, Basil, there's new Onizuka. What's going on? And I'm like, oh, there's new Onizuka. Like, it's live action. It's And it's actually the, the guy, his name, he, he goes by the name of Kira. 
He's like a boy band guy. I say boy band, but like this boy band ranges from like 16 to like 42 years of age. From yeah, those guys. one of those. <laughs> um, and this guy's like 32. Uh, but he pulls off a really, really good Onizuka. You know. I think I know who that is now that you actually said his name. But... Yeah, which Onizuka is this sort of every man who was a little pervy, but he has a big old heart of gold and his body cannot be stopped by anything. He was a super ultra badass in high school gang member who actually is this gigantic dweeb. And what he really wanted to do, it turns out, was he wanted to be a teacher. And he becomes a teacher by German suplexing people, you know, other teachers who badmouth students, which the like director of the school's like, I'm going to hire you. You probably make a great teacher, and <laughs> you're just what we need for our terrible class of people who are terrible kids because of problems. It's like that school movie with Edward James Olmos, only it's a Japanese guy. <laughs> and they've actually, people. And they've actually done like there was a there was a 2012 series. Then they did three specials between 2012 and 2013. Then they did a mini series of him in Taiwan. And now there is a 2014 series. And what's neat is that the major except for those three specials, it's now all on Crunchyroll. And you can just watch it if you have the subscription that does drama. And I have inadvertently watched like 14 or 15 episodes of this thing over the past week. Because it is, it's not exactly just like the anime or even just like the old live action series. It's, it is, it's a little bit of its own creature. But it's it's a good creature and I'm really enjoying it. So yeah, Onizuka. So uh, yeah. So I guess that is our moments of awesome. Yeah. Or did you come up with something, Doug? Nozaki-kun. <laughs> <laughs> Did we do Nozaki-kun? Yes, we, we, we have done Monthly Girls Nozaki-kun, but that was more or less me talking about Monthly yeah, Girls Nozaki-kun. I mean, we pretty much... Y'all are more than welcome to fact, talk about Nozaki-kun. I'm caught up, too. You know, curse me for not being a skinny bishonen and all that. Um, uh, curse me for not being born a, sk- uh, born a skinny bishonen. Damn these infernal muscles. <laughs> It's a fun show. Uh, it continues to be genuinely entertaining and funny, which is a rare thing in anime. Like, it has jokes, not references. Jokes. Yes, actual. <laughs> it's actually humorous. And also tells you terms about actually creating manga. Yeah, there's a lot about actually doing manga. It's surprising. Like, I feel like this is probably the author of the manga's getting out getting a little bit off their chest about working on manga sometimes <laughs> but it's very informative because it is all about a guy who writes a girl's comic and gradually his friends become involved in helping him make it and they all turn out to be good at different things <laughs> you know the main female who is arguably our protagonist yeah well she's definitely i feel like the the, the sort of the the audience surrogate character yes. that gets a yes. view upon this the wacky hygiene because it of took the world. several episodes before we got anything that wasn't really from her point of view. But she's obvious, not obviously, she's arguably the protagonist. Uh, Nozaki himself is the sorry, Basil. I was trying to exit out of it and I didn't realize the sound <laughs> was still on. Basil, my bad, ruined the podcast. No, no, no. I bu- I'm sorry, <sighs> it's okay. Your punishment is we leave that in. <laughs> Half of this dead stare is just me feeling bad. 
<laughs> the other half is glaring at me. <laughs> the other half is glaring at you. <laughs> oh, no, I like Nozaki-kun. It's like, it's just a good show with good characters who are consistently funny. And they're oddballs. But, you know, they seem like oddballs you might actually meet in real life. <laughs> Which I think is part of the point of it. Yeah. Uh, good times. Some of the humor reminds me a little bit of, it reminds me a little bit of the daily life of high school boys, you know, where, so, like, there are a few, there are a few episodes where they, where about half the episode is just, you know, a 15 minute little foray into this weird thing they've decided to do. For example, two of the boys sit down, two of the manga creators decide to take a break creating manga to play a dating sim video game. And throughout it, and they're just kind of joking around playing it, but throughout it they realize that the male friend in this dating sim is strangely dedicated to you, the protagonist, <laughs> and seems to put an awful lot of effort into your smooth dating life, and so they feel so bad for him that they end up making a doujinshi for him. Yep. It is a show where they did a whole part of an episode about a dating sim. And I still really enjoyed it. I never thought I would think about that from an anime ever. <laughs> but sort of along those same lines, I never thought I would get to see a movie that one of the principal characters was a talking raccoon that shot bullets from guns. Yeah. So we're going to talk about our main topic of this episode, which is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy. Ah! So, back with the original Iron Man movie, which, if you like to hear a podcast about it, there was an awesome cast way back all about the first Iron Man movie, which we all really enjoyed as well. It was awesome. But they started doing this whole Marvel Cinematic Universe, where they decided that all the movies from Marvel movie, movie Studios would all take place in the same continuity. Just like comic books. <laughs> sort of. Of course, then you have things like Fox having all the mutant stuff, and Sony's got all the Spider-Man stuff. But all the Marvel cinematic... Marvel Studios cinematic things, their movies... They all take place in the same continuity. And so you get things like, you know, Hulk and, you know, he got a thing and then they got a different Hulk. Um, <laughs> after, or getting a different Hulk. A then you have something, you know, Captain America, Thor, the best of the Marvel movies because it's Thor. Yeah. Screw anyone who thinks differently. But the Avengers has Thor and, and all those the, other and, guys. And the Avengers was good. Yeah. It's got a Thor in it. And, and all those other guys. But they decided, I guess they decided they needed to expand. But while they were also generating all these movies, they also had other people working on various screenplays and things. And one of them was a lady named Nicole Perlman. And she wrote a script for this movie based off a comic book reboot of this property called Guardians of the Galaxy. And apparently this script was initially, you know, Marvel liked it. They green lit it. They handed it to a guy named James Gunn. 
He added his stamp to it and and, gener- and created a really really fun movie. Podcast over. No, <laughs> seriously. Although, uh, if you just want too long, didn't read. It was a really good movie. It's true. It really is. And the Guardians of the Galaxy themselves was originally started in like 1969, yeah. with a different team of people entirely. Pretty much, I think entirely different. Maybe Drax was in it, but Drax is wildly different in the movie than he was originally in the comic. Well, there was a guy named Star Lord. Well, eventually, there was a guy named Star Lord. Star Lord in it. But then in 2008, they did a brand new reboot. And this reboot, this new version of the Guardians of the Galaxy was starring, you know, the team that we know of. With Star-Lord and Groot and Rocket Raccoon and Drax and Gamora. And right now in the comics, there's other people as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, there's a bunch. Um, Even in that relatively short span of time, the lineup has changed around a little bit. So, Kevin, tell me more of this movie. It's a movie in space. Well, actually, it starts in Earth, as many things do. You know, but I don't know what... If, well, the first few minutes of a movie isn't really a spoiler, right? <laughs> no, it's not. Yeah. Uh, I feel the opening scene, well, because... The mom dies, it happens in the first five minutes, I think yeah, it's Yeah, pretty, yeah. But it starts off pretty heavy with that. Yeah, yeah, it is pretty heavy right there at the beginning. And it's very emotional and very sad. And But I think the real trick is, and it sort of sets the tone for the rest of the movie, is that you start off with this really heavy moment of our young little Star-Lord, whose real name is Peter Quill, I believe. Yeah. And his Somewhere mom, in the South, judging by the accents, but his, I'm not his sure. His mom is dying. I'm cancer probably cancer and she dies right in front of him which universal experience that will f you up yeah i'm still partially active when i happened, what happened i saw my mom anyways and he immediately runs out because he's freaking out or what happened and gets abducted by aliens because you like, know immediately because you know marvel universe um <laughs> i mean what's well, just a cat to the to a terrible day Getting abducted by aliens. In retrospect, it might have been the best thing to happen to him, but uh, what? <laughs> I'm, I'm curious about those intervening years we skipped over, but uh, I'm sure it wasn't all smooth sailing and fun times. Well, you heard from the guy they were going to eat him, but the captain kept them from eating him and kept him on. I kept getting the impression that this was just something he told him. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was. <laughs> and I... I legitimately think the weird, gruff marauder Yondu, Yondu guy. Yeah, I, I honestly feel Yondu, and even his crew called him on it. I think Yondu likes Peter way more than he lets on. Oh, uh, I think that's pretty clear, yeah. Yeah, and that was actually kind of sweet in its own way. This is a movie that has a lot of oddly sweet things that you don't expect to see. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. My, my kind of thoughts, first of all, I thought everybody acting did a great job acting. Like, it's it's a bit of hard praise to get from me. Yeah. Because I, I can tell when somebody's acting poorly, but everything from somebody who's doing a serviceable job to somebody who's doing a good job, their performance is so heavily based off of the writing, off of the writing and the direction that it gets a murky point where I can't really tell unless they're doing... A stellar performance, which I really think that most of these people were. 
Like but this really is kind of at its heart, it's a very cookie cutter sci fi movie plot. And it's really elevated beyond that by just by the strength of the actors and a lot of really good writing to it. It has if you if you like going to movies and you like seeing a, a bunch of one line quips, this movie has that. But this movie also distinctly doesn't have that. Uh, Drax in particular, Drax in particular, you know, when I first saw that character, I thought, "Oh, what terrible lines that he has." But as the as the movie went on and I got to know the character, I slowly started to realize how wonderfully written his lines were. <laughs> you know, a character that doesn't get euphemisms at all. No, he does you not know, understand euphemism or metaphor. You know, his first, the first couple of lines that he had, I was sitting there going, "Oh, how dry and expositional! Like he's just saying what he's feeling. He's not like using any sort of." Illusion or, or clever at all, people don't really talk like that. And then as they go on, and he said, they start to make more and more <laughs> of a point that uh, no, he doesn't get all of that. Just, I then go back and look at those first couple of lines and go, wow, those are so brilliant. That's just how he is. You uh, know, the mighty Drax the Destroyer. The 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 line where you know Rocket the Raccoon has already explained he doesn't get metaphors. But to then hear him say, nothing goes over my head. My reflexes are too fast. I would catch it. (laughs) Uh, You know, that line is both, it both, uh, the third part of that line, I would catch it, is both too far. (laughs) Which is part of what's brilliant about it. Yeah, Dave Bautista, who is a professional wrestler. And he really lobbied hard for this part. I'm kind of glad he got it. He did a real good job with he did, it. He did an amazing job with this part. Like, I I don't actually... I was va- I was peripherally aware of most of of some of these characters. Yeah. Like, I, I read Marvel comics at, at one point in my life, and so I saw a couple of times where they crossed over into some other comic I was reading, but I didn't really know who these characters were. And, so, you know, in the Ultimate Marvel vs. Capcom 3, you may have seen Rocket Raccoon. Well, I, well, my point is that I don't really know that much about Drax, so no, I don't no. know how faithful he is to the comic book. Well, is or isn't. But if you just look at, at as he was presented in this movie, he was amazing. Oh yeah, he was fun. But um, my favorite character was, in fact, Rocket the Raccoon. What's a raccoon? <laughs> well, I know, like that. But. When I the first time I saw this movie, I thought I didn't. I didn't know if I if I loved Rocket because I really loved him or just because I've kind of been hankering to see something with a talking raccoon in it for a while. You know, I, I've done a bunch of research on raccoons lately, and the thing I come away with is if I read in the news that there was a raccoon that just learned how to speak English and applied for a job somewhere because it wanted to earn money legitimately so it didn't have to keep going through people's trash, I think... I wouldn't be that surprised. I think, like, raccoons are very smart. They're an example where humanity has kind of accidentally, you know, selected, caused natural selection for more and more intelligent, for more and more intelligent creatures, so I've kind of got a soft spot for raccoons lately. And so I really like seeing just a talking raccoon in a mainstream movie. 
But when I saw it the second time, I was confirmed that, no, I really just like the character. He's he's really funny. Yeah. He's uh, really charismatic. You know, in the opening line, he's he's kind of, he's people watching. He's looking at the crowd and he's making a little snarky commentary about the people. And one of the people he criticizes is a small child. <laughs> and he's like, look at this asshole. Look, he thinks it's so smart. Hey, dude, it's not cool getting help to walk. Learn to man your... <laughs> yeah. And, and oh, it was just full of wonderful little things like that. And, and he still had a... I, I loved all his still... Ra- like, there was nothing in his personality that was overly raccoonish. Except for, you know... He occasionally just wanted stuff. Because <laughs> it would be funny. And, you know, you leave, him around, you leave him alone for a couple of minutes and he's gone around rooting through things and he's probably put something together out of it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, Rocket was great. And, I mean, it's really just kind of a cast of weird lovable assholes. Like, but... and, like when, when they decided, when they decided, like, and it's not that he's just, he's not comic relief either. He has plenty of dramatic, he has plenty of yeah. dramatic moments. No, they he... make him very sympathetic. It's very easy to sympathize with him. They make a point of that uh, in the drunken bar fight that he gets into. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, he's has character depth. Who knew? Um, Talking Raccoon has a character depth. It's weird. But amazingly, some of the most some of the most dramatic lines, some of the lines that just touched touched you deep, touched you the most deeply, that just moved your soul as you were watching it, came from Groot. Well, Groot's a talking tree, but it's, his voice comes from Van Diesel. Yeah. Which, but if there's know, a king of monosyllabic characters of Hearts of Gold, it's it's people voice acted by Van Diesel. Yeah. You know, uh, Van Diesel actually did act out Groot. Like, he got on stilts and he acted out the part. Yeah, he showed up at the premiere on stilts with an I Am Groot t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Which is every what Groot is all Groot says. I am Groot, and everyone but Rocket just goes, "Huh?" And Rocket seems to know exactly what he means. Is I guess it's a Han Solo Chewbacca thing. <laughs> but that's uh, Rocket seems to know just what he means, but everyone else just kind of goes, "Huh?" Or just fills in their own interpretation. <laughs> and then you also do have Gamora and 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 our friend Star-Lord, mm-hmm. who's really our hero of the movie, and it all feels bad to talk about him last, but well, that because means he's now... the hero, that's why yeah. we talk about yeah. him last. But you're, but you're skipping right over Gamora. We are Gamora. skipping over Gamora, which you should not, because you know, the staple of science fiction, the green-skinned space babe, who is also a total badass in this case. As you know. But they sort of... And I hate to say that you know, you sort of have to take her with Peter Quill, but some of their interactions are to each other. Yeah. And so much of the movie. Yeah. Like they're they're sort of each other. Like they banter with everybody else, but they the, the, the those two characters are each other's primary banter buddies. Yes. Well, look at who else they have to banter with. One person can't say anything other than "I am Groot." Uh, the other person doesn't understand metaphors, yeah. and the third and the third choice is a angry raccoon. Now, but well, of course, I, think Rocket and Groot banter really well in spite yes. of this, and Drax is just good for putting in random lines here and there that just makes everyone go, "What?" 
<laughs> but you say that, but then obviously the first three people we want to talk about were the three most interesting characters, <laughs> which was then the three other people, Drax, Groot, and Rocket Raccoon. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're, they're, oh, they're great. And, but, you know, they're... But there is Gamora, of course, who's the adopted daughter of Thanos, a big-time Marvel villain. And I didn't realize that all of Thanos' daughters apparently hate Thanos. Hate him a lot. Well, Thanos is a jerk. He, he is a jerk. He is very unambiguously evil if he's anything like his Marvel co- counterpart, his comic counterpart. He's pretty unambiguously evil. So, just to get to, not to go into too much spoilers, because we, we might have already given too much away. We told you that the Rocket Raccoon talks. Yeah. And I keep... I should just call him Rocket. That's how I refer to him in the movie. Yeah. I just remember the Marvel vs. Capcom 3 game just referring to the character as Rocket Raccoon. And you know, the fact that he was not right on front of the cover was a tremendous mistake, Capcom and Marvel. I'm sure they understand that now, <laughs> even though... Capcom can no longer produce new copies of that game because they've lost the rights except now it's still back with Disney again. What was I saying? I don't know. Raccoons talk. Not to get too spoiler. Oh, yeah. It starts off again. Peter Quill gets abducted. Time passes. He's now trying his best to go by the name Star-Lord. And now he is a group of this wandering pilfers and... Ravagers. Vagabonds. They're called Ravagers. Ravagers, yeah. I think I called them Marauders earlier, but Ravagers, that's what it was. Ravagers. Marauders are class of 14. <laughs> and he stills a MacGuffin. Yeah. That turns out to be really important, as MacGuffins tend to do. And then he ends up having madcap adventures, okay. meets up with his team, and unlockly circumstances. Yeah. yeah, a mix of keep the horrible thingy away from the people who misuse it while trying to make a buck off of it. <laughs> This could have been an episode of Cowboy Bebop. It, it could have been. Yeah. Yeah, or, you know, or Firefly, or... Or Cowboy Bebop, or Outlaw Star. Yeah. You know, your, your general space-toting, you know, outlaws with heart of gold. Yeah. But the important thing is, I think, this is very specifically, especially this movie, is space-toting. Because mm-hmm. this movie makes space look fucking awesome. Yeah. Yeah. This this movie is is a treat to behold. Oh, all visual. Well, I mean, it's kind of hard for the course of the Marvel movies, but still, it is more than worth mentioning. The visual effects are gorgeous. Space looks amazing. The planets look amazing. Alien this, cities look amazing. I think I made this comment when we were coming out of the theater last night, but this movie could basically be a how-to example for h- how to shoot a good spacefaring movie. Just like all all the cinematography, all the actual shots of it are all just so well done. And the design work was very good on all spaceships and, and habitats and You know, the pacing creatures. of the story was, was fantastic. It goes along at a good clip the whole way through. Yeah, uh, I was really needing to pee about an hour into the film. There was no good place to go pee. There's no good place to go pee in this movie. No, that's uh, the only, that's my only warning. <laughs> There's uh, no good place to pee. Let's see. There is there is a lot of comedy in it, but it almost never feels forced. In fact, I can't even think of a place where, in a movie where it does feel forced. But so all the movie seems to happen organically and naturally, just from the characters being themselves in the movie. Yeah, this was the second movie. The first one being John Carter, 
uh, really telling me that Disney is the perfect place to have Star Wars. Yeah. Like Disney, I I have full faith that Disney can pull off a good Star Wars film now. Just without a doubt in my mind, if it if the next Star Wars movie ends up being bad, it wasn't because Disney owned it. Yeah. Because man, they make really great, amazing looking movies in space. And way back in the day, the black hole. One of my favorites. You know, I was really sad that John Carter did so badly because that was such a good movie. It was. Like, it was really underrated. If you're listening to this, another movie I, I I think you should really go see is the John Carter movie because it just did not, for whatever reason, I, I did not get. It didn't get the viewership that it, it didn't really have. Deserved. Oh, Mars in the title. Um, but it was a really good movie, and I really recommend watching that. You could probably get the Blu-ray for less than ten bucks at this point. But, but, so I was really sad that that movie didn't do well. But as sad as I was that that movie didn't do well, I'm equally excited that this movie has done well. Because I'm really sad, I, it really made me sad that, like, the, 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 the space action adventure didn't do very well as a setting in John Carter. But it's definitely doing very well. In Guardians of the in Galaxy. Guardians of the Galaxy. So I actually do hope that this kind of revives some interest in space adventure. Yeah, I, I do like the sci-fi. Like the sci-fi. This wasn't... Well, it's had its moments where it was pulp sci-fi. It definitely had its pulp sci-fi moments. If I have a complaint about this movie, it is, what was the creator's problem with red-skinned women? <laughs> like... I think they were... Boy, I never really found out what that race they were. I just think they were really common. Well, there were several red-skinned women yeah. in this movie. And it's not that this movie was misogynistic towards women. Because it had several really badass characters that were women. Uh, you know, notably the two daughters of Thanos. Gamora and Nebula. And, you know, Glenn Close is Nova Prime. who was yeah. She was large and in charge. Yeah, like this this movie had tons of very empowered women. Uh you know, they were empowered, uh they were they clearly weren't just dressed up as eye candy. They were they were confident, they were they were on equal standing with their male counterparts. Except the red women. <laughs> you know, the you know, Star Lord at the beginning of the movie, it you know, we kinda get a glimpse into his we kinda get a glimpse into his cat his cavalier lifestyle. Because his he's, pelvic sorcery. Yes, his pelvic <laughs> sorcery. Because there's there's a red skinned woman woman in his ship in, in his ship that he had apparently bedded and for, completely forgot about. Uh, let's see, you know, you 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 jump ahead you jump ahead to the collector that, and he's. I, we're, I think we're now getting too spoilery. That's like halfway through the movie. Well, I'm still going to say this. Before the spoiler section, because I don't think this is really a spoilers, but you know, this the servant went the servant girl is red. The servant girl is red skinned. The servant girl who ultimately does something really really stupid is red skinned. Like whenever they showed like whenever they need to show just like a random villager woman in distress, she was red skinned. So apparently, he has something about red skinned women are. Super damsels? I think it was just a really bad coincidence. 
<laughs> I think because he's... like that race that they I don't know. <laughs> like I think I think Kevin's right. I think that race just happens to be super common in that quadrant of the galaxy. There were some more just floating around in the crowd. And well, there's one thing I want to say in regards to that, but I, I want to wait till the spoilers. Okay. Because there are there are scenes where you see lots of people. Yeah. And there's the and there's lots of red skinned people, but also red skin not red skinned people. Uh-huh. And so I, I, I you're right. I'm thinking that one of the characters, I think he just had a thing for red skinned servants. Well, and I... that and that I think paints a really bad overall picture. Because I think the first red head red skinned red hair, red skinned person, I think is supposed to show to reiterate that Peter Quill's in space, well, and he's got a little bit of Captain Kirk in him. Yeah, yeah. Well, the the thing is, is that no one thing is that bad, but it's just it's a little bit hilarious that it always crops up with a red skinned woman and not one of the others because there are other hues, you know. There, there's green walking around. There's other uh, humanoid races. There's yes. yellow walking around. There's other humanoid races of different skin colors. Yeah. But yeah, it, you're you're right. No, it, it, when bad things happen, it did. Maybe he really hates Native Americans. I don't. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> They're kind of more of a pink, though. I don't know. I don't know. They're a race. They exist. They're. Probably not Cree because that's spoilers, but they're probably not the Cree. <laughs> a race of damsels in distress. <laughs> that must be a really awkward planet. <laughs> uh, but, and I, I think you're right, Kevin. I don't want to so much call this pulp, but it does feel like a good space action adventure romp. But it does have two fisted ray gun action and rocket boots. Yeah. So. It's got its moments. <laughs> Man, this movie does also make me really wish they would make a new Rocketeer movie. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't make me wish for that. I, I'm fine with this movie the way it is. But <laughs> Well, yeah, Star-Lord kind of filled that niche a little bit. He, he, did a little, he had a little Rocketeer action. Good stuff. And, man, it's, it is also so obvious that, you know, you know Peter Quill, he starts off as a character who is who gets abducted as a kid. And when you see him as an adult, he's still very much that kid. When you, I, I feel when you when you see his outfit when he's running around being his space ravager, Star Lord guy, he looks like what would be awesome if you were an eight year old kid. Yeah, I have a yeah. feeling his persona really, literally was developed out of what he thought was awesome as a kid. You know, further compounded with him constantly listening to his awesome mix number one <laughs> tape that he has. You know that he had on him when he was a kid, and he's listening to even now, even you know jury rigging his spaceship to be able to play a cassette tape. Yeah, and I do wonder if there are kids watching this movie who are very confused at what he's listening to. <laughs> <laughs> That's an interesting question. But yeah, so Guardians of the Galaxy, lots of fun. As of this moment, exactly in time where we're recording. It is still in theaters, however... It's been in theaters for a while now, so, so it, it may be out by the time this actually releases. So by the time we release it, check your theater listings, but check your dollar theater listings. Because it's bound to hang around the dollar theaters for a for long time. a while, time. yeah. Like, I can see it months in dollar theaters if the dollar theaters have their way. Because it is a lot of fun. It is It is a good time. And we're going to take a break and go into spoilers. If you like pina coladas and getting caught in the rain If you're not 
Snape kills Dumbledore. Spike dies. Uh, it's the Infinity Stone. That was actually relevant. That's not fair. <laughs> so you know. Yeah, the MacGuffin is an Infinity Stone. It's what it is. Spoiler the, number one. The Stone of Power. Although I don't think they say that anywhere in the show, but it's purple, so that's the one it is. <laughs> Because this is the third one we've had in the Marvel Cinematic yeah. Universe. Mm-hmm. Tesseract from Captain America and the Avengers, and the Aether from Thor 2. Yeah. And now this one. Somebody's claimed a fourth one has shown up, but I don't know what they're talking about. Well, you know, there's actually a section in the there's actually a section in the movie where they're showing you clips of the kinds of things a Infinity Stone can do, and you know, they show some they show clips from some of the previous movies, and they show a clip that was in one of the previous movies, but I don't think it was ever identified as an Infinity Stone within yeah. that movie. So it may be a little bit of a spoiler yeah. within the movie itself. This there's a few scenes in this movie I'm eagerly waiting for home video because I want to go through them more slowly. Yes, especially like the collector's collection and some of that, those scenes with the Infinity Stone stuff. Howard the Duck. Cosmo the Space Dog. Why do you let it, let it lick your face like that? <laughs> Gross. That's your post credit scene, Howard the Duck. Make it happen, Marvel. I want a new Howard the Duck movie. I do too. I am so scared to watch Howard the Duck now. Team up. Because I grew up loving Howard the Duck. I grew up loving it too, but I heard it was... You know, I, I grew up hearing that it was such a terrible flop, but at the same time, I loved it, and we, it was one of the movies that we watched on Friday nights. Yeah, it was, it's bizarrely charming, and the Dark Overlord of the Universe is a great villain. I don't care what anyone says, and he's horrifying. And <laughs> I liked it when he put, uh, what was the main villain for this? Thanos was not actually the main oh, villain. Oh, no, the main villain of... Guardians of the Galaxy Ronin. is Ronan the Accuser. Yeah, Ronan, like, he. Th- I really like the scene where Thanos puts Ronan in his place. <laughs> where Thanos is like, You better help me out, Thanos. Blah, 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 blah. I'm a badass, and if you don't, you'll be sorry. And Thanos is like, Shut up, bitch. Boy. Yeah. <laughs> he calls him boy. And Thanos is. Really, really old. That that is true. He probably has the right to call everybody but Galactus boy. Um, <laughs> and there there was a lot of really great like this. This is a movie full of just great moments. Like, yes. Oh, and I loved nowhere. Like I loved the city built the the planetary habitat thing built space habitat built out of a moon sized head of some ancient space god or something. I loved you know? the vat of spinal fluid that was just hanging around. <laughs> they were just mining yeah. it for. <laughs> For all its resources. Uh, that that was... I mean, that actually is in the comic. That is a thing that exists in the Guardians of the Galaxy comic. Yeah, I but, want to say, based on what little I read on, like, on Wikipedia and stuff, where that's like their home base actually is... Is nowhere. Is nowhere. It's a wretched... With a K. Yeah. It's a wretched hive of scum and villainy. And it, but it's built into like some ancient space god's head. It's great, <laughs> and the movie makes it look so good. Yeah, it's like I want to go there. That looks great, you know. But it's there's prisons and a planet and one guy who's like the oh that was the one the guy who kept showing up who was the guy they tried to sell the the stone to. He kept reappearing in scenes, but I just, he kept, he just made me think of a shop clerk from Mass Effect. Yeah. (laughs) Like, you know, I just, when he kicked him out of the shop, I just 
we kicked Peter out of the shop. I'm like, oh, but that was his favorite shop on the Citadel. <laughs> it, it, it's okay. I've heard a lot of people refer to Nowhere as like Omega. Yeah. Because they have that same sort of thing, which, you know, really tells me just how much Mass Effect really pulled from other sci-fi. Well, you know, if, if... And if they took any visual influence from Mass Effect, at least they're using a good source. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But that was... It was neat. It was a really... That was some crazy stuff. Um, oh, yeah. The Pink Ladies. And I... I I'm, maybe I have to watch this on DVD again. But, like, I used to, like, see the pink woman and the little baby, like, in the city when shit's falling apart and ships are kamikazing into stuff. Yeah, I'm fairly and, sure that's the guy's wife. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's that the Corfin Day's wife and, like, Rocket totally saved her and that was great. Yes. <laughs> and that, you know, that... I liked the random Novacore guy. Like, there's Corpsman Day, who I actually... I actually Maybe an asshole, but I'm not 100% a dick. <laughs> like, another character is giving this, this, like, really, like, classic motivational, classic motivational bantery type speech, and in the middle of it, like, Star-Lord's like, Hey, he got my dick messed! <laughs> <laughs> also, Groot is hacks. Yeah. Like, Groot was always coming up with just, like, a new power. <laughs> He's a plant thing. He's... He can do whatever the hell he wants. He can grow really tall. He can extend out his limbs. He can, like, make woody spikes pop out of his... All yeah. over. He can make glowing he can, pollen. He can turn his arms into, like, whips thing, make glowing <laughs> pollen. Like, yeah, he... Groot is hacks. But, you know, he's, I am Groot, and might just wander off following a butterfly or something, just because that's more interesting right now. Yeah. <laughs> he's, you know, he's a weird guy. You gotta wonder if he's ever watched The Iron Giant. Because, <laughs> I mean, I you know, I really do wonder that when they had been, he's like, alright, remember Iron Giant, just Groot. <laughs> <laughs> just, just do it. Like, it's... You know what you said, Superman? Let's let's hear it all over again. I, I, I almost hope that Vin Diesel wins an Oscar for Groot. Not likely to happen, but boy. I know it's not likely to happen, but man. And you know, it's because the Oscars, they, they hate giving awards to people playing animated characters. Yeah. You know, that's, that's just really the truth. And his three lines are only, I am Groot, and one we. We. <laughs> And that's the line I was talking about earlier. That that's right. the line that, like, you know, if it doesn't make you at least like your chest tighten just a little bit. Well, yeah, well, yeah. It's 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 his Superman moment. Yeah, it's his yeah. heroic sacrifice. Although apparently he's okay, or maybe this is a whole new group. It's hard to tell. Uh... <laughs> I mean, it may be. It's possibly like his baby, more or less. Well, regardless, he is Groot. He is Groot. Like, well, I, I'm I think pretty it's sure. Sort of... Well, it's it's clearly like a cutting. Yeah. Like Rocket Raccoon clearly like must have dug through those sticks to found a stick that was dan- that wasn't that was intact enough that he could root it, and so it's basically a cutting. So if like it really boils down to if you have a tree and you take a cutting off that tree and you use it to grow a new tree, is that a new tree or is that a clone of the old tree or what? I don't know, but he likes his music. Yeah, if Marvel, I think everybody. Everyone's seen has the said, dancing Groot clip. <laughs> it, well, I think everybody everywhere has said 
that if Marvel doesn't make like a little dancing, a little dancing group toy, they're leaving money on the table. Well, so many well, so many people have already made their own dancing group toys yeah. <laughs> um, online, and, and apparently that scene was being so passed around at Marvel. Yeah, they just posted the scene. Nine, yeah, they just posted the scene themselves, like on YouTube that or little, something. Yeah, little end bit with group dancing, and like they were just like, "All right, yeah. fine, spoilers be damned about this one scene." Yeah, just there you go. Internet, quit, quit trying to steal our movie to to watch this one scene. <laughs> just here you go. Here it is. Just there. Take it. But yeah, I know. Like, the guy who was uh, the uh, Nova Corps guy was done by John C., uh, John C. Riley. Yeah. He was, he was, you know, Wreck-It Ralph. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, he was... He did he was, a really good job. He was one of my secret too. favorite characters of, of the film. Yeah, he was great. And, you know, him, like, basically what you saw of the Nova Corps was him... Glenn Close as Nova Prime, and one other guy who was very snooty and British sounding, who didn't yes. like any of the Guardians of the Galaxy people. But he's who was making the the dramatic speech when yeah, he... I got yeah. my dick message. Yeah, oh that glorious moment when he comes back across that guy from the beginning of the film, when Star Lord comes across that guy from the beginning of the film who he crossed paths with, and he goes, "Star Lord is the first person who knows who he is." <laughs> In the whole movie, and it's like, finally. <laughs> Another great moment that had a really good payoff, I thought, was earlier when, oh, what's his name? Which, what's his name? With the arrow. Oh, Yondu? Yeah, when Yondu is talking to the to the generic store owner clerk guy, and he's talking about how he likes, you know, these, these cute little charms, like I think he's looking at like a... He's looking at like a crisp, like a blue crystal frog. Yeah, yeah he likes to set him up on his. He control likes panel. to set him up on his control panel, and then later it cuts to, and then later is like they're entering into the big fight. Like he's getting ready, and one of the things he does is straighten out all the little things on his control <laughs> panel. It was it was really charming. There was well, despite not all of them being strictly speaking human, there was a lot of humanness to the cast. Mm-hmm. Anything, the only. Like, I found Ronan, the accuser, our villain, honestly kind of the most flat character in the film. But, but he was just getting off pure rage. And, yeah. And he also had a wicked Warhammer. Yep. And having a wicked Warhammer... Goes a long way. In goes a book. long way, especially in a Marvel film set in space. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Thor's got a wicked Warhammer. This guy's got a wicked Warhammer. Which is important because that's how he could use the Infinity Stone. Which thanks to his Warhammer, not him, but his Warhammer. <laughs> it, it tells you just how important Warhammers are to the world. Yeah, it's very actually very important in this movie. Very notable that yeah, unless you are some kind of nigh-invincible god, you probably shouldn't touch an Infinity Stone. Bad things happen. Like you die and your whole room explodes. But, and by uh, room, we mean building. Mm-hmm. And possibly whole planet, if in the right circumstances. <laughs> Which, yeah, the Collector and his servant chick flips out and decides she's going to take the Power Stone and kill them all. And she wrecks the place. And ironically, that probably keeps... Because that distracted... Like, the whole place got exploded. You know, honestly, if Ronan had poked around in there, he might have come out with a few other horrible objects yeah. of doom. <laughs> Yeah, like, that's true. who knows? Yeah. 
like we know he if you from the post credit scenes in Thor, we know he has the ether. For some reason, the Asgardians thought he was a good guy to get entrusted to. I guess because he collects. Just like stole it from him. Well, no, they actually show it giving them to him. Oh. Like that's in the post credit scene of Thor two. Oh. They just they take it to him because they don't want that and the Tesseract on Asgard. Ah, because I see. they would be bad to be too close together. Well, and it, so far it turns out correct. Yeah. No one's taken it yet. Yeah. And I guess one assumes the collector just collects. He doesn't, you know, he puts it on a shelf. <laughs> like, you know, he's unfortunately just a jerk hole to red skinned women. Yeah. Apparently so. We, he, he was he was odd, but we didn't really get a whole lot of time with him, so I don't know what kind of odd he is, but he apparently inspired homicidal rage in his servants so <laughs> that's never good yeah <laughs> well it shows that he treats them very poorly like he has that servant like like the previous servant who was also pink in a room with in one of the collection tubes with things stuck in her yeah like we don't know i don't know what's going on with that but <laughs> nothing good i'll tell you that yeah but i do want to go back through the scenes with his place and you know look around because they show us a couple neat things like Cosmo the Space Dog, but uh, it's uh, uh, it's one it's one again yet again another movie. Thank God for Blu-ray. Yeah, yeah. Thank God for Blu-ray because that that is you you want every single pixel that that movie's going to give you. Well, I, I do want. And I said this in the theater. I think Marvel should maybe do a special Marvel Cinematic Universe edition of What If. Just because I want to see, what if Ronan the Accuser took up Star-Lord on the dance-off for the fate of the planet? That was a great scene. <laughs> yep, yep. That like, a pretty I, great scene. I gotta say, Star-Lord, whose job is to be main character guy, <laughs> he had way more char, actual charm to him than I expect out of a main character guy. Yeah, so often we see main characters, like, increasingly we see main characters that are flat. Like... The Godzilla movie, where the main character uh, was boring McBorson. He almost had an emotion a couple of times. It looked like it hurt. Yeah, like, <laughs> which I don't, like, that actor isn't a bad actor. I don't no, know why he no. couldn't portray an interesting character. My only conclusion is that the director must have told him, be as boring as possible. And I can see some wisdom in having a really boring protagonist. You're trying to not alienate anybody, you're trying to not alienate anybody uh, you're trying to make it so that everybody can identify with this character, but in doing so, you take away everything that makes the character a character. Yeah. So they're they're just insufferably boring to look no, at. I, Whereas Peter was very very charismatic. I, I did like in his interactions with Gamora that while though it seemed like there was some attraction on Gamora's side, she refuses to be like the love interest. Yes. At least so far, she's refusing to be the love interest. She has more important things to do than to be a love interest. Even though she may be attracted to him, but that's because of his pelvic sorcery. Yes. <laughs> but I like that line. They uh, are just like Kevin Bacon. They are just like Kevin Bacon. Well, like, I mean, the Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy are yes, just like they're Kevin just Bacon. like Kevin Bacon. That's... And they all do have their really great moments where it does feel like... This, does, this movie does a really great job of giving you a really awesome ensemble piece. Yes. Where everyone feels equally important. Hey, Baz, I need your glasses. 
okay. That's a weird thing to say. That's a weird, that's while, a weird thing to say. While recording. Thanks. Um, oh, right, because you're being Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> and you just want things. I, I, I get it now. It I, took you a minute, but you got it. Yeah, yeah, kind of look kind I need, of my glasses back I need now. But no, I want them. <laughs> that would be illegal. <laughs> but you, you. you don't understand, sir. I, I want them more. <laughs> What if someone uh, angers me and I rip their head out, for, their head and spine <laughs> from their body? Um, that would be murder. Technically about the worst thing you can do. <laughs> Once again, eight-year-old logic. <laughs> like, I'm pretty sure I've heard little kids use not the rip-out stuff, but the, the taking stuff. Yes. Stuff before where they, they think it's one of those things where they, they'll ask their parents, but I really want it. Can I just have it? And they have to explain to them, no, stealing's wrong. <laughs> it was also a very raccoon mannerism. Yes. So, you know, really good bunch of people. Really good cast. A lot of big heroic stuff. Excellent use of using the awesome mix number one yeah. throughout the entire film. The, it was great. And then the awesome mix number two. That's true. I, I do like the fact that A... That was the second gift from from the mom to to Peter. Also, that apparently she's the one that came with the name Star Lord. Yes, because he might actually be a Star Lord, whatever that might be. Oh yeah, the the big well, sort of big spoiler. Yeah, is that he's not entirely human. I mean, it's kind of implied at the beginning of the film, but you, it's like, oh no, really? He he's apparently part alien, and even the Nova Corps is not sure exactly what that alien is. Yeah. Like, at the very beginning of the movie, the mom is telling him that, you know, his grandpa will take care of him until his father comes to get him. And it's revealed at the very end of the movie... That when the, the aliens kidnapped him, they that were... Was, they were supposed to bring him to the dad. And for yeah. some reason, they just kept him. I don't know how that happened, but... Probably because Yondu liked him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like Yondu uh, remember Yondu's comment was glad we didn't take him to his dad that guy was an asshole <laughs> yeah so who knows so who knows what's going on but there's something going on I mean I okay it's well if it's in the comics if it's like in the comics it's no one who's been introduced and isn't really of all that much importance but I, I want to say they've 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 been on the record. They're saying that we have not revealed yeah. who his dad is in the movie. Yeah, I, I suspect universe. it's going to be turn out to be something important with probably within the sequel. I'm hoping it's Thor. His dad is not Thor. Well, well I'm hoping it's Thor, and it's probably not going to be Thor. But that's just who no, I'm hoping for. It's it's the next best thing. It's Beta Ray Bill. It's Alien Thor. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. I actually we can, am we hoping because that's yet another awesome War, Warhammer. Type yeah, thing. I'm hoping we actually get Beta Ray Bill somehow. Maybe the next Thor movie. I don't know. I hope we get Beta Ray Bill. <laughs> he's sure he's yellow and kind of has a horse head, but he's like he's Alien Thor. <laughs> so before we get into our questions segment, what, what were your what, what's your favorite moment of the film? Favorite moment. So many. Well, no, I, nah, I really think it does come to like, the the I come down to the dance off, and you know, what what are you doing? I'm distracting you, dumbass, <laughs> or whatever he said. 
This movie did a really good job of playing its PG-13 rating to the hilt. Yeah. It did. They, like, I even heard a very clever bleeping. Yeah. Well, they used, like, they used dick and a-hole and shit. And, like, they they, they definitely were, were not afraid to, to bump right up against the PG-13 rating. No, and it was... You know, it was pretty violent some of the time, which I think they only got away with because most of the violence was being done to aliens or people who could just get right back up. <laughs> well, also to uh, Nebula. Yeah. Doctor Who lady. Yeah, Karen Gillian. Who just got she mangled was... in one scene. But she's half cybernetic, so she just popped back herself into place. Yeah, our little bits went back together. She got mangled in one scene and just got back up. So, Doug, what's your favorite moment of Guardians of the Galaxy? It's either the scene with Groot where we are Groot, or it's where they're all having that moment where they're rallying to the cry to come together as a group and save the galaxy. And, you know, one by one they stand up, Groot stands up going, I, I'm... Well, uh, first it starts with... Gamora. Yeah, it starts with Gamora. She stands up and, and she stands up and goes, you know, it would be an honor to die with friends. And it cuts to Drax and he is, says something. Uh, and Groot stands up and goes, I am Groot. And then everybody looks at Rocket. And Rocket finally just sighs, put upon, and then stands up on his little chair and goes, Fine, I'm standing up too. We're all a bunch of assholes standing in a circle. I I think it's Yondu when he finally gets to use his whistle thing. His, oh, his yeah, arrow. That was good his arrow. His whistle controlled arrow. Which was neat. And well I mean they kept showing it as, a, as this really dangerous weapon. This yeah. really dangerous, dangerous People thing. People were very afraid of the arrow. Then when they got finally showed us why. And it was a really good showing of <laughs> yeah. uh, of why. It was I was like, yeah. I, I want this weapon in a, in a game now. I kind of play a tabletop game where this is like some sort of weapon I can use. So I might have to look into that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but while we're looking into that, we're also going to take a break. We're going to come back with questions from people from the internet like you. This is the Awesome Cast. And we are back with awesome cast questions from internet people like you on Twitter, the Guardians of the Galaxy. You have questions. We might just give you answers. Or at least we'll talk about something. Words will come out of our mouth in response to the question, if you're lucky, and might answer the question. And from Corey, at Impassionate K, favorite metaphor used in the movie? Um... Finger to throat Finger. means kill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh. Actually, no, I, I think the fly over his head one is my favorite metaphor. I'm going to stick with finger to throat means kill because it pays off <laughs> later. I like the extended metaphor of Star-Lord still being eight years old. 
throughout the entire movie where he listens to all his mom's favorite songs. He's dressed up like how cool he thinks he is. And in that final moment where he finally gets to actually grow up and grab his mom's hand. Yes. I guess that was a metaphor. One that Drax will never know. It's true. <laughs> Although he swears he knows it. He, he can do metaphor now. <laughs> As he's killing a guy. Finger to the throat means death. <laughs> <laughs> he just looks, he's so proud of himself. Metaphor. <laughs> From Nico at Nico Scream. Uh-huh. Are you hooked on a feeling? Yes. Yes, I am always hooked on a feeling. The whole sound, all those soundtrack, that was all very well chosen. Those were all very You know, actually, songs. to be perfectly honest, I'm a little bit high on a feeling. I like pina coladas. That's a different question. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> yes, also from Nico. Uh, <laughs> well, let's get to that one real quick. Do you like pina coladas? I kind of do like pina coladas. Actually, they may be my favorite mixed drink. They are They are really delicious. But I have to be really careful because I'm super allergic to sulfides. So if it's pina colada from a mix, it can be very, very bad for me. But if it's actually like a fresh made pina colada, it's pretty good. Also fond of now, can you have like pina coladas that aren't like alcoholic? No, no, it's 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 the mix that has the thing that I'm allergic to that's in it. So, so if we just bought like pina coladas and added in alcohol to it, you might be okay. How well would it taste? Uh, you do know how to make a pina colada, don't you? No, I don't. That's why I drink wine. Uh, well. Much like margaritas, there's a way to actually make it from fresh ingredients so that it doesn't have the sulfide in it. But if you go out and you buy pina colada mix, I will be allergic to that. Right, well, the best thing about pina colada is that you don't have to buy a pina colada. You don't have to get an alcoholic pina colada drink. They sell just drinks that are... No, it's in the mix, so whether it has alcohol or not, I would be allergic to the mix. Well, anyways, that's entirely (laughs) about the movie at all. And from Dave Merrill at Terrible Funhouse. Wow, a Dave Merrill question. Dave How do you feel about the film completely ignoring classic Guardians like uh, Martinex and Charlie Dash Twenty Seven? Well, they were all like in the distant future for one, and they were both from one was from, the first one was from Pluto, and the other one was from Jupiter, which put them way too close to Earth because this was out in space, deep in like. Peter's the one Earthling, although in the original comic, Drax is human too, but that's a whole other story. Well, um, I think I already answered this question when I said I was peripherally aware of some of these characters, but I'd never actually read any of the Guardians. Now, I wouldn't mind seeing versions of them appear in future films. I mean, we got Cosmo the Space Dog, and Cosmo the Space Dog was one of the Guardians of the Galaxy. You know, when I actually saw Cosmo, I actually thought that was a... I Leica. didn't realize it was Cosmo until you said it. Yeah. I thought it was Laika. You thought it was Laika. Yeah, yeah, that's the like the, the famous cosmonaut dog. It was just another cosmonaut dog who got sent into space and got psychic powers and <laughs> is somehow still alive, you know. But, but basically the answer to the question is I'm somewhat blissfully unaware of the more classic Guardians, so I'll I was admit, very happy with I admit this. I looked up both those names. Um, Charlie 17, 20, Charlie 27 is like a guy from Jup- who like Jupiter, so he's like super strong. And the other guy is like 
like has like a weird silicon exoskeleton, although he's technically human. But his like his branch of humans developed a weird silicon exoskeleton, and they live on Pluto. And one hand shoots hot, one hand shoots cold. Yeah, but actually, seem like they'd be interesting enough characters in their own way. I don't know if they're tooling around the current incarnation in any form. Yeah, I am. I am not a comic book guy. Like when I first when I really started reading comics, it ended up being manga. When I was yeah, older. I read comics here, and I, that's a lie. Like I read a lot of the the the, uh, the Ducktail, like a lot of the Disney stuff. Growing up, a lot of I read a lot of Archie. Yeah, and um, actually, that's what my yeah. grandparents had was I like Archie and Richie Rich and stuff like that. But I never, I never, and I sort of got into Marvel comics a little bit here and there, but they're all like individual issues, right? Like once or twice a year. I never got into the whole I'm, comics thing. I'm really familiar with very early Marvel. Because of compilations and, like, Marvel Masterworks compilations. And I'm kind of familiar with what was going on in the 90s, because that was when I was actually reading Marvel Comics. Honestly, beyond that, I only have a periphery awareness of a lot of it. Now, um, and I'm going to skip around with these questions here. Let's hopefully I get everybody. But Nico then actually responded to Dave with, uh, I'm okay with that, because I'm a big fan of the Abnet Lanning Guards of the Galaxy, which is the 2008 Mm-hmm. Redo, yeah. which is more or less the people we are familiar with right. from this movie. Which then Nico then asked, "What was your familiarity with Guardians of the Galaxy before the film? Has the film caused you to seek out the comments, comics? <laughs> if so, thoughts?" And I think we sort of covered a little bit already what our familiarity mm, is. Haven't but... really had a chance to think about. It's like, well, from the point of view of this awesome cast, I just really finally saw the movie yesterday. And I really haven't had a chance to go look for the comic if I wanted to, but... Honestly, my real peripheral knowledge of this movie was the fact that Rocket was a character in Marvel vs. Capcom 3. Yeah. And I was told it's a cybernetic raccoon that talks and shoots big guns, which I thought was amazing. And I'm glad it was in a video game. And then I heard he was going to be in a, get to be in a movie, and I was very happy for him. Yeah. And honestly... I don't think I would start reading this like as far as you know, buying individual issues or anything. But if there's a particularly good set of trades, or if there's a good coherent like storyline mm-hmm. from the comic that that's got good, it, does it have a good run? Is it good? I don't know. Nico, you should tell me. Yeah. You should tell me. Should this comic be something that I should actually be reading? Because if so, I may give it a shot. I really do like space adventure stuff. And if this is good, I really like the movie, I would not mind reading it, but I, I don't know enough about comics to know whether or not it's good or bad or anything. Yeah, and, um, and the Guardians of the Galaxy have shown up a couple times in the uh, Avengers cartoons, the more recent Avengers cartoons, which, actually I think have a slightly different lineup, but... But then Dave asks... Does the film's use of Cherry Bomb completely ruin any feminist context the song may have had or have has have I'm, at one point have at one point in time held? Yeah, you know, and I'm a big fan of the Runaways. I'm not sure if it had a feminist message. I mean, their whole shtick was like Jailbait on the Run was the whole shtick of the band. I'm not sure how feminist that was. As much as I love Joan Jett and Cherry Curry. I don't remember, I don't know the song, Cherry Bomb. Which, which song was that? It's when they were suiting up in the movie. Like, and they were, they were walking yeah. across a... Huh. 
like, you know, hello, daddy. Hello, mom. I'm your cherry bomb. And I probably fucked that up somehow. But performed by the runaways. And, you know, I'm, you know, the only movie that Kristen Stewart's good in. Um, (laughs) uh, I don't think the song's use in the movie takes away any of the anti-feminist stuff unless you get hopped up on the pink girl hate. (laughs) Well, I mean, you know, using the powers of, you know, the internet, the song came out in 1976. So, its actual cultural relevance has happened. Yeah. Yeah. Like, whatever whatever has happened... In, in Immediately, culture. when the Runaways came to be, there were no all-girl bands who rocked and rocked hard. And that was, that, you know, that was something they did. So. I'm getting the feeling that Dave Merrill didn't really like this movie. Or he's just being a little trollish in his comments. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's probably, because I, I want to say that he did enjoy it, I could be wrong. Uh, but I, I think he is just, I think he's just being snarky to be snarky. Admittedly. Well, the movie does have some, like, the movie does have, like, some feminist-like, it's kind of like a feminist-like problem, because, as I noticed, noted earlier, you know, it's got badass women in it, but it's also got some... Other pro- some feminist problems in, in the pink haired, not pink haired, in the pink girls. The pink girls, pink girls in trouble. <laughs> well, so it's kind of a grab bag. Like it, it, it's 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 a weird thing on that issue. It's just weird. It is weird. Also, Gamora was she had lots of excellent moments. A lot of those excellent moments were also again once again framed within context of interacting with Peter Quill. Yeah, yeah. Like it was you know and a a very of, little with her sister. It does not pass. What is that test? The Bechdel test? Yeah, it does not pass the I think Bechel it did, test. because no. she did talk to her sister, who was another female character. Uh, weren't they talking about a male character? Maybe. They were. Yeah, they, they were, were talking, talking about, about, about Ronan or Thanos. Never mind, you're correct. It fails. So it does not pass the test. It fails. Although, by the same token, like Pacific Rim fails, and Mako Mori's a great feminist character. Well, uh... It's not necessarily a, an, well, it is kind of a bad thing to not pass the test, but the test is not actually meant. It's not perfect, but. It's not meant to show, is this thing a feminist work or not? It's more just to outline a greater Which, issue. Which, ironically, the screenplay writer was a woman. I know, but. But, I mean, that's well, kind of ironic. It, but... it's, it, she was definitely a part of it, but. Gunn, the guy who directed it, also did a lot of rewriting himself. Yeah. yeah. Like, like. I believe I said her name is Nicole. Yeah, uh, she Nicole admitted. Perlman. Yeah, she admittedly admitted to she admitted herself that she's not a great comedy writer, and so if it's a really good all the really good comedic moments, she probably didn't write. And reportedly, it was Joss Whedon taking a look at the script and saying it's cool, but I want to see more James Gunn in the script. Is where we get the awesome '70s soundtrack out of. So, who knows? But. Another good question, once again from Nico. Does this feel more like Guardians of the Galaxy movie or a Star Jammers movie? Eh, I almost know less about Star Jammers than Guardians of the Galaxy other than that Cyclops' dad is one of them. (laughs) Like, oh, I was thinking Star... What's the D? You were thinking Spelljammer. I'm thinking Spelljammer. I'm thinking D and D in space. Unless he was thinking Spelljammer instead of Star Jammer. Space Jam. 
Which is its own terrible thing. So You say terrible. I'm thinking amazing. So Drax, Groot, and Rocket come down and play basketball with the Looney Tunes. Yes. Yes. I, I don't see that that's... I don't see how that's a bad Maybe thing. Maybe with Howard the Duck and Cosmo the Space Dog. <laughs> and they're fighting against yes. Organization 13. Yes. Yes, I just that's the implied... Other I just implied that Drax is a funny animal character. Well, <laughs> but and actually responding to the question, I think that he's asked a question. The, the heart of the question is basically: is it more like, is it more like this obs- this somewhat obscure Marvel property versus this other this other obscure Marvel property? Kind of like how the Young Justice animated series was more like Teen Titans than Young Justice. Yes. But I honestly. Like I said, I know less about Star Jammers than I do Guardians of the Galaxy. Beyond the one little tidbit of Scott Summer's dad is... Then forget that. Let's go back to Spelljammer. D&D in space. Well, there are a fair number of beings floating around the Marvel Universe well, who, whose super science does come off more like magic. Well, <laughs> the Marvel Universe has a whole bunch of really awesome stuff in it. And I, I really think that, you know... The other Marvel, the, the other Marvel movies, and especially the Avengers and everything associated to the Avengers specifically, is probably a better venue for Marvel to kind of showcase their their more mainstream stuff, their kind of name brand stuff, and then for the more obscure things, I think uh, I think that this movie has actually set up a very good venue for some of Marvel's more obscure stuff that might not necessarily warrant a movie all of its yeah. own to have a way to get into mainstream culture. Now, now honestly, through this, I'm... Through this uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, like, especially if they do a Guardians of the Galaxy 2 they or are. 3. De- 2 is but, definite. Um, but but so, so it may not... It may feel more like the other... It may feel more like the other one, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing if it's not as true to the Guardians of the Galaxy property because I think there's a bigger picture going on. I do, I, I I do really wish that Marvel could get back to Fantastic Four rights. Not so much for the Fantastic Four, because but since we've set the stage for Cosmic Marvel, there is so much stuff that's tied up in the Cosmic Marvel with Galactus and the Silver Surfer that it feels almost empty without them. <laughs> like yeah. if they were going to go on from here, uh, there's so much of that stuff that's tied in, and they they can maybe get a lot of like some of the Celestials and other weird stuff. In there, and that's probably not tied up in the Fantastic Four rights. But I I still feel gypped. We've never we didn't get a good Silver Surfer movie. But speaking of other movies, from John Robbins at Johnny Five of the Chance Buffet, who we don't actually hate, and they're probably as cool as Norway. But the redacted cameo post credits. Giving the 80s undercurrent best cameo or best cameo? I'd have to go with best cameo. Yeah, Cosmo the dog was pretty yeah, great. Cos- I love Cosmo the dog. Cosmo <laughs> the space dog. He rocks! And there's that Howard to some kind of waterfowl. Um, nah, I mean, we, we've mentioned this earlier, but man, I I remember watching Howard the Duck for the first time and just loving the movie. I really don't know what would happen if I watched it now. <laughs> I don't know if I'll get, I would get Voltron or not. I own it. I, I own it. I uh, 
I don't remember watching the movie for the first time because the movie was that much of a staple in my house that Friday night came and we would just like have a little discussion. What, did we want to watch Ghostbusters? Did we want to watch? Uh, did we want to watch Howard the Duck? Or did we want to watch The Last Unicorn? <laughs> well, I remember it specifically because it is also the it's the same. And this might be this might help. Why I like Howard the Duck so much is because it was the same night. I played Super Mario Brothers on the Nintendo for the very first time. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that must have been like an amazing night. <laughs> it was pretty great. Was that uh, like Christmas or your birthday or something? No, it was just, uh, it was during the holidays. I was in Indianapolis at my cousin's house. And they were like, hey, Basil. And I'm like seven or eight. You gotta, you've got to check this out. And they, they put me they put me in front of Super Mario Brothers. <laughs> and didn't history know, was made. Didn't know what I was doing. It was amazing. And they eventually pulled me off because they, they sent me down. All right, now I want to watch this movie. And that's what we want to do right now. And it was Howard the Duck. And so, yeah. Howard the Duck. So that's why I know for a fact I remember my first time watching it because it's tied to the first time playing Super Mario Brothers. Mm. Howard the Duck, 80s rock, hot human girl on duck action, evil alien space gods. It's good stuff. And I, remember, I remember something tentacly about the. About well, the monster. I don't really a, remember what it was, but he, I remember something tentacle. Oh, he was a horrible elderish abomination beyond known space. You know, yeah. it, was, it was good stuff. Clive Barker thinks it's one of the most horrific things he's ever seen. <laughs> that probably says something. <laughs> yeah, I think the last question, now that I've been playing around with this, actually comes from our wonderful editor, Anna, <laughs> at Angel Dark Fire, but with no A in the dark. I just wrote, okay. I always keep thinking it's Angel DK Fire, <laughs> and, and, I, and it reminds me of TK Fire from Earthbound, but it's not. It's Angel Darkfire. It did the ceiling stay intact during tonight's viewing? Yes, 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 yes it did. Um, when I first saw this movie, I was with Anna. We went to Rome, Georgia. It was a family obligation on her side, and we decided to take a break and go see this film because she really wanted to see it. And Rome's a little podunk. And we get there, and they're actually where the actual ticket booth is. In fact, still like the front of the of the place. It, it, Rome is not a suburb to Atlanta, right? No, it's about an hour, an hour and a half away, two hours away from Atlanta. Yeah, then then it's not Atlanta, Georgia. Um, it's it's on the periphery of yeah. before we get into Atlanta, Georgia. Anyways. Like you have to walk up to the very front to buy tickets before you can even go in. And there's a huge line. They have like one or two people working in it. It's taking forever. It's raining. We finally get in there. The movie, like, it was supposed to start at like 8. And, we're, and by the time we got out, outside, out inside the doors, it was 8.05. We look at the concession stand. It's got the same problem. Big line. One or two people working the whole thing. We say bump it. We walk into the movie. And the movie's already going. They didn't have any previews. The movie had already, he was already talking to his mom. Yeah. And we're like, all right. And we get down. People are still coming, filling in. And, and we noticed that half the theater was blocked off of caution tape. Thought that was weird. Halfway through this movie, in that area, part of the ceiling falls down. <laughs> and rainwater starts leaking. <laughs> And we're like, well, that's not good. Now, now was like, it actually raining when you went to see the movie, or was that rainwater that had collected and now dumped? No, it, no, it was rainwater. That, it was raining okay. while we were going to see the movie. Um, I don't know which one is worse, to be honest. 
I don't either, but I do know that when she went to go tell them, so on call back, I went, hey, the ceiling's falling again. Again. And it's like, again? Again. Again, and you're, you're letting us watch this movie, and it's, uh, great. So, yeah. Now, the screen was very nice. The screen looked very renovated, but nothing else in this building did. Gotta say, watching it again in a building that was not falling down, falling apart, it's pretty nice. Pretty excellent. And the movie holds up better second time. Gotta, gotta say. This is definitely a movie you can watch for, you know, repeat performances and it's still really good. Well, it, uh, one, everybody doing their job did a really good job at their job. You know, the direction yeah. was the direction was great. The production was great. Uh, all the acting was great. Like, the, the lines were all great. Like, everybody did a good job at their job on this movie. Um, so... There's so in addition to having very good repeat value because it's all quality. There's also just tons of little stuff just kind of hidden around and pocketed and squirreled yeah. away that once you've seen the movie once through, you can kind of notice a little bit yeah. more the second time. You no, know, I think I get it. I think I get Ronan's joke is that he was the super serious evil galactic overlord, and very frequently no one let him keep up his momentum as evil super galactic overlord. Like. <laughs> Either Thanos was just like, yeah, whatever, kid. Or, you know, Peter would challenge him to a dance-off or a rocket hit him in the face with a spaceship. You know, it's... <laughs> something would, you know, keep him from doing his whole evil monologue. Yeah. So... There is a moment in the movie that we haven't gotten to talk about. Okay. And it's so super, super spoilery. So this is super-duper, super, super-duper-duper spoilers. Yeah, super duper spoiler. Even if you normally stay for the spoilers, you may want to think. You may want to skip ahead a few minutes. But super duper, super spoiler. It's the moment right after Groot dies. Groot! It's the moment after Groot... Well, well, it's it's after Groot is dead. After they've beaten... They've beaten the guy. Uh, and Rocket has gone back and he's... And he's searching through the, the sticks and bramble that are the remains of Groot. And he's picked up a pile of twigs and he's crying over it. And and uh, Drax sits down next to him. And, you know, tentatively looks at him and he reaches a hand out and gently starts patting him. And there's, there's just this wonderful look on Rocket's face when that happens. Like, you could tell that Rocket wants to be really angry about that gesture. He wants to be really angry about it, but at the same time, he's so sad. <laughs> and it's kind of nice. <laughs> so he just accepts it. It's a really sweet scene. It's a really sweet moment. So please accept this break, and we'll be back with Awesomes Out of Awesomes. Final thoughts, Kevin. Uh, what's uh, your? Um, uh, 
Five good hearted thugs of awesome. Out of? Awesome. Okay. Uh, and yours would be. How many awesomes did you give it, Kevin? Five? Five good hearted thugs of awesome out of awesome. Okay, well, you see, I need those. <laughs> <laughs> oh, god damn, that's what I was going to do. <laughs> I, I need those. <laughs> out of awesome. <laughs> My plan was wait for you to start, and I was going to ask for whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> so much like Ronan constantly getting undercut by everybody else for his chance to do anything awesome, out of awesome. Oh, I know. I, I, I think I missed the good one. I think I missed the best possible answer, which is the "I am Groot." Oh no, that's the obvious one. That was that was so obvious that I didn't even think about it as a possibility. Out of awesome. Was... None of us are actually Vin Diesel. Let's let's not even pretend. Gosh, I hope Vin Diesel wins an award for that performance. Like I, I really do. Maybe you can pull out I, a Kids Choice Award. Just I, something. Somebody give I, that man something that's not a Razzie. I. I I don't think he will, but I really hope that he does, that he gets something good. That he he's gets one some of us. sort of golden statue for He's it. one of us. He's a huge nerd. He just happens to look like a muscle man. It's <laughs> hey, there's nothing wrong being a muscle man. No. I mean, obviously, with, with, with the guy who does Drax, he did such a great job. Like That was a character I didn't think would be one of my favorite characters, but he... He was. He was. He, he It's him and... Uh, other guy, brain, whistle dude. Yondu. Yondu. I don't know those, why I remember Yondu's name. But those two guys are in the running for my, my favorite characters in the, in the movie. Guess who my favorite characters were? Um, the guy who uh, John C. Riley played, and... I don't um, know who John C. Riley is. He was the Nova Corps guy with uh, the curly hair. Of course, Vin Day. Yeah, he wasn't bad. And, um... Red-haired girl four in the background of twenty-six. You're right. You knew exactly which which one it was. Man, Basil, you know me too well. Definitely wouldn't be that raccoon guy. <laughs> Definitely not. I don't... But no, like Drax is like my second favorite. I I'd have to say. Yeah. And yeah. I liked all. Of them. I, I liked all of them. Like you know, I thought. I thought for sure Rocket Raccoon and Groot were going to be my favorite characters. And they might be. <laughs> but not by as big of a margin as I thought they would be. Because, every like, you know, part of me thinking, but what about Star-Lord? He was pretty awesome. Yeah, he, uh, he kept surprising me. Yeah. With his moments. That was like, kind of his whole character. Like, he kept surprising everybody. He's come a long way from, since Parks and Recreation. <laughs> like, nobody... Like, even within the context of the movie, even no one expects much out of him. Actually, I got so excited when I realized that that's who he was. <laughs> when, I, when I realized he was the and guy was, from Parks and Recreation. It, it was also Emmett from the Lego movie. I got so excited <laughs> about it. Like, I was like, oh my god! He's amazing! I love this actor now! <laughs> he did a real good job. He, he brought a lot of life to that character. And, you know, 
I hear he kept the costume to entertain kids, so that was uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was cool. Presumably, but, they'll need it back for the sequel, but <laughs> of course, movie's good. You should watch it. Obviously, we like it. We did an Oscar cast about it. Usually, it's pretty good indication we like it. I, I think there's only ever been one awesome cast that I kind of wish we could strike on the record. Yeah, yeah. I I wish we could strike that one too. Like I don't even want to mention it because people didn't might realize we did one about it. <laughs> but like, look, fridges ain't gonna save you from nothing. Anyways, can we strike it from the record? Can you remove it? No, no. It, it's we. It was there. It's a part. History is is, is there. Uh. We've already been called about called out on it at least once or twice. Not in years, but uh, I feel if we keep going, no, that was a bad idea. People will believe us. But you should believe us again about this movie being good. As bad as that movie was bad, this movie's better. So, go watch this movie. See if it's in dollar theaters or regular theaters. It's worth the money. Buy it on Blu-ray. Rent it. Whatever. Watch it. Don't steal it. Stealing's bad. I don't care how much you want it. But I want it. Then you can go buy it. Ugh. Otherwise, it's illegal, and you shouldn't do that. You should be awesome, as this is the Awesome Cast. You can find us at theawesomecast.com. You can find us on the social medias, all the medias. Well, like three medias. You got the Twitter medias, Awesome Cast, the, the Facebook, Awesome Cast, the Tumblers, and Awesome Cast. You can listen to us on the website. We got RSS feeds. Plug it into your podcast obtainer of choice. You can also listen to us on Stitcher. It's that exists. I don't know if anyone uses it, but we've got it if you do. Thanks for listening. If you like, please send us comments, send us emails. I read everything. Sometimes I tell the other folks that what everything blah 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 is. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes I forget. If you find a talking rocket raccoon figure that spits, tell me my dad wants one. <laughs> <laughs> and with that. We're out. Listen, baby. Ain't no mountain high. Ain't no valley low. Ain't no river wide enough, baby.